You're listening to the Sincere Skin series, a platform where we share the personal stories and first-hand accounts of those living with unique skin conditions. Okay, awesome. Welcome back to our third episode of the Sincere Skin series. Today we are here with Natalie, who is an advocate for vitiligo, and she'll be talking a little bit about her experiences and her life today. So let's just get started. First off, thank you so much for joining our podcast. We're honored to have you as a guest. And I just wanted to start off if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. So who are you and where are you from? So hi everyone, it's lovely to be here. I'm Natalie, I'm based in the UK and I'm an advocate for the skin condition vitiligo, which is a condition that I've had since I was about three years old. Awesome, thank you for introducing yourself. Um, It's great that you mentioned that um, you were diagnosed with it quite early. So when did you sort of realize you had vitiligo or when did your parents realize it? And what was your experience like living with it during childhood? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in my 30s at the moment, so I've had vitiligo since I was a very, very young child. So I've had it all of my life, pretty much, so I don't know a life without it. Um, and I was diagnosed um, quite late along my journey, actually, because back then vitiligo wasn't a very common condition. Um, it started as a tiny spot on the back of my hand, and I mixed race, so it was very, very prominent on my skin. My parents took me to the doctors and obviously tried to find out what this spot was, but they unfortunately couldn't tell her. So obviously they were really, really concerned. Um, But the patch continued to develop. So it started to spread to my arms, my legs, parts of my face and my body as well. So my parents done the natural thing and they took me back to my GP to find out what it was. And it was then that I was referred to a dermatologist obviously a skin specialist um, and within a couple of weeks I was confirmed as having vitiligo and my parents were told it wasn't curable. So as a child um, it's really strange because as a child I didn't realise I had the condition. Um, When you're so young you don't really think about you know what people look like and who people are you just see people as people so I didn't know that I was different Um, and I was raised in a very very diverse community so I blended in quite well. Um, My parents would dress me in shorts and t-shirts, I would go swimming in a swimsuit and everybody would see my patches and no one would say anything because they were all just my friends. So I had a lovely childhood with the condition. Um, there were a couple of times when, you know, I'd be in the playground and some of the kids being children would reach out to touch me and then would jump back because they thought that they would, they would catch my skin condition. But that was, as, that was as far as it went. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad as a child having vitiligo. It was more when I was um, a teenager, that's when a lot of my issues started because that's kind of when you start to become aware that there's this idea that, you know, we have to be perfect to be accepted. So that's when a lot of the issues started for me. Yeah, I was going to ask next actually about your experience during your teenagers because a lot of people go through some sort of self-confidence issues or self-esteem issues, especially in the teenage years. So what was that like going to high school, middle school with your condition? Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, I always say that my teenage years are the years that I don't 
particularly want to relive. Um, it was all, it was almost like I turned 13 and I had this awareness that, you know, you had to look a particular way. And if you didn't look that way, then you automatically felt quite isolated. Um, I loved reading teenage magazines, but I never saw anybody that represented me. Um, you know, everybody had all the girls, you know, they were really fashionable. They had brown hair. They were a particular height, a particular weight. No one was mixed race and no one certainly had vitiligo. So that was really hard. Um, dating was really hard because I felt really insecure and uncomfortable. Um, and I always felt like people were judging me because of the way that I looked um, it, it's really hard at that age because you're going through all sorts of issues and emotions you're dealing with you know acne you're dealing with exam pressures you're dealing with so many other things and when you have a skin condition that is so visible and so psychologically damaging it can be really really hard to manage um, the lucky thing for me was I had lots of friends um, I wasn't a popular child but I wasn't an unpopular child I was just very very shy very quiet um, I didn't have much confidence and I was very comfortable with my small circle of friends um so yeah my, my school years were fine I was just very very paranoid um you know swimming was very difficult because I couldn't put a swimsuit on because I was so uncomfortable about showing my arms and legs so it really affected my ability to get involved in sports and um, playing football netball anything where I had to show my skin was really really hard for me um so yeah yeah my teenage years were hard um, and it wasn't until later that I started to wear makeup. So a lot of the kids in my school used to see that I had patches on my skin, which used to just make me feel a lot worse. And it's interesting that you mentioned about reading magazines and that kind of aspect, because I feel like now there's so much more representation out there. There's Winnie Harlow. She's an iconic supermodel with vitiligo. So how is how does that feel to see that shift that the society is taking more into representation and incorporating models of all skin colors and sizes so how does that feel being someone who grew up with vitiligo it is an absolute game changer it has opened up so many different avenues for people and the best thing is is that even though when I was younger, I didn't have any inspirational models. Children of today are now seeing that they are being represented in the form of models, characters in books. We've got a Vitiligo Barbie doll. All these wonderful things are showing children and adults that we too can be represented. I never thought that I'd see it in my lifetime. And when I first saw Winnie Harlow and I saw her rocking her patches, I thought, is this actually true? Like, am I actually sleeping and dreaming this? Because I never ever thought that my skin condition would be seen as something to admire, would be seen as something that's beautiful. And I didn't think it'd be something that I would learn to embrace. So it's definitely, a, you know, the right step in the, you know, a step in the right direction in terms of representation and just being diverse, which is what this world needs. We have created this idea in society that you have to be a particular way you have to be perfect and and that's not that's not realistic we need to represent everybody people get spots people have skin conditions people aren't a size eight there are some people out there that are going to be a size 16 and just because you are those things that doesn't make you any less beautiful so the more we champion each other and support each other and know that all these differences are in this world the, the more accepting you know we will be of those conditions and those and the way people look Thank you so much for that. that. That's so inspiring. I love that. I think at our organization, Derma Dreams, we're really focused on spreading awareness about different conditions and sort of putting out that message that, you know, it's okay. Everyone's unique. Everyone's beautiful. 
and everyone can be different too. And I think just shifting more towards the actual condition of vitiligo, if you could just give a quick brief description, like what is vitiligo? What are the symptoms and sort of, I guess the science behind it, I guess. Yeah, sure. So vitiligo is an autoimmune condition um, and it's very, very physical. So, or visible, should I say. So um, essentially it's white patches that form on the skin due to a lack of melanin. And melanin is obviously what gives you your skin colour. Um, anybody can develop the condition, male, female, babies, adults. But most people normally get the condition before the age of 40. Um, it's more visible on darker people, obviously, because, you know, the darker you are, the white patches are very, very white. So it's more visible on darker people. Um, and some of the, the main symptoms are the change in skin colour and it can affect any part of the body. There are some people that might have one small patch on their on their body. There are some people that can depigment entirely or have it whereas they've, whereas they've just got it all over their body. So there are different levels to developing the condition. One of the things um, that affects us the most is the sun um, because we don't have any melanin in the skin. Um, so we have to protect our skin with, you know, an SPF of 50 to make sure that we don't burn because we burn very, very easily in the sun. Interesting. Thank you. So what was your treatment plan? Like, when did you start seeking treatment? What types of treatment did you go into? Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was in and out of treatment as a child. I think when I was first diagnosed, when I was about three, um, the first thing the doctor gave me was a steroid cream. So two steroid creams, one for my face, which, which was a little bit lighter, and then one for my body, which was a bit heavier because the body can take a little bit more. Um, and I used those creams for a good few years. Um, my face cleared up quite well, um, but my, my body didn't clear up so well. Um, treatment for vitiligo is never guaranteed um there are you know it, it's very very trial and error unfortunately so yeah that was the first treatment I had that was the protopic steroid creams so I've done that for a few years I then tried all sorts of treatments as a child and unfortunately I don't remember them but I've done homeopathy I tried different treatments that were being um trialed in the market so new things that you know hadn't even come into the market yet I was almost like a bit of a guinea pig trying these these treatments um but nothing seemed to work so when I was around 11 years old I said that I'd had enough of treatment nothing was working and I'd just leave my vitiligo to kind of be be as it was so I left it for a good few years and then I returned to treatment when I was 30 years old and I had UVB narrowband treatment so it's quite a strong invasive treatment and it is a 50% chance of working um I mean I had the treatment but my white patches are now coming back but just to give you some context around what happens so it's a treatment that takes around a year to do you visit hospital twice a week and you stand in a tanning booth and they switch on and sort of a uv light would just literally just radiate over your body for a couple of minutes um it's very invasive your skin can get burnt um, especially the sensitive parts of your skin and there were a couple of times when i sort of burned my lips or you know parts of my elbows because it's very very strong so i did that for about 13 months and i did start to um, get my skin color back after about four months so for me it was like a miracle I was starting to get my natural skin colour back at a really, really very quick rate. Um, and by the time I finished the treatment, I was probably 60% back to my normal colour, 
which was, you know, really great. I was able to start wearing swimsuits. I was able to start going on the beach and I'd developed a confidence that I never knew I had. Um, that was around eight years ago and my white patches are now starting to come back. So I'm pretty much going back to normal, unfortunately, but it's absolutely fine. I'm very accepting of my skin. So it's, it's a different process now watching my skin change back to white because I know that I feel a lot more confident in my skin. So it's fine. I know I love it. I can see in your demeanor that you sort of gained a lot of acceptance around um, your skin and it's awesome. It's, I'm really inspired by, by you Thank and just you. looking at that. So just talking, I remember reading, um, when I was reading about you, I remember reading about a vitiligo society in your local hospital that you joined. Um, could you tell me a little more about that? What was that experience like? How did you find it and how did it help you sort of build your confidence? Yeah, sure. So the Vitiligo Society is the only charity in the UK that supports people with vitiligo. And they've been around for about 35 years. Um, so they've got a lovely, strong history. Um, I'm actually a director of the charity. So I work very, very closely with them. Um, and I manage a lot of their social media, um, a lot of their community projects. And I also write for their um, members magazine, The Vit Live. So it's an incredible charity. It's run by volunteers. Um, and we do a lot of work in the community around raising awareness, educating people who haven't got the condition or may have friends or family with the condition. And we're also um, very focused on helping to try and find a cure. So we look into research a lot. We help fund research if we feel like it's a research that could possibly work. Um, and we just keep very, very closely connected to the community to kind of understand what it is they want and how we can help them live comfortably with vitiligo. Awesome. You guys are doing some really, really great work. Do you think um, that young adults and teenagers like myself who are, have been diagnosed with vitiligo should reach out to organizations like yours or reach out to their friends? Like who should they sort of contact as a first point of support when going through any sort of um, anxiety or stress related to their condition? Yeah, so I think your support network is one of the most important things when it comes to having a condition such as vitiligo. Your support network, and I'll always say your mindset, making sure you have a healthy mindset. But for me, my biggest, one of the biggest things that helped me really accept my skin was finding people that are like me and I found them on social media so I feel like I've got this great family on social media that also have vitiligo they are very supportive um they are very open you know you can talk to people through dms um, and, and messaging and they are just the most supportive community because we've all got each other's backs you know we all talk to each other and we all kind of share stories and what it's like living with a condition that can make you feel quite isolated so that's the first thing I would say find people that are like you and if that is through social media then you know then it's a, it's a great way to use social media family and friends are really just as important family and friends will always love you for who you are so you know the people that love you the most will always be open to talking to you empowering you and just reminding you that you are not your skin condition that you are a person that is loved and is friendly and is you know can make people laugh and they just remind you that you have a personality and that's what makes you you and also cha yeah charities charities um like the vitiligo society and another one called changing faces they're another charity i work quite closely with reaching out to the charities that know what it's like to support people with the condition because they can help advise you they can give you support and they can allow you to have conversations around vitiligo and how you might be feeling I think that's really important 
I think, Samina, you've done a really great job with this building your Instagram platform, your social media platforms, especially in our society today. Social media has such a large role to play in everyone's lives. So what inspired you to begin your platform and where do you see it going in the future? Where do you want to take it? What direction? Yeah, so I started my platform around six years ago and I started it after I went on to a news program in the UK. Um, they asked me to come onto the show and talk about what it was like living with vitiligo. And for a long time, I thought I was the only person in the world with the condition. And I never knew anybody with a condition. So I didn't really talk about it too much. But then I went on to TV, spoke about my experiences. And once I'd done that, it was, it was so liberating that I felt like I was about to start owning the condition. I was pretty much saying to myself, I've got vitiligo and I'm okay with it. People then started to reach out from the UK and across the globe, telling me that they had vitiligo too, and that, you know, they had a story and they they were often been quite scared about speaking up. And I just started to, I started to engage with people that looked like me. And it was an incredible experience. And then from there, things just started to develop. So, you know, a couple of years later, I worked with the beauty brand Dove. I recorded an advert with them. Um, I started to do a lot of magazine interviews. So I was in Cosmopolitan. I've been in um, Stylist magazine. I've been in a UK newspaper called The Metro. People started to take an interest in my story. And then I realised that I wanted to give back. So I didn't have that support network when I was younger. And I felt very lonely with the condition. But I realised that I had a voice that I wanted to use that would help others. And I think the nice thing, well, I don't know if it's a nice thing, but because I've had it from so young, it means that I can talk about vitiligo from the perspective of a child, from the perspective of a teenager, and from the perspective of an adult. I feel like I've gone through a bit of a cycle. I've gone from being not confident at all to, to more than confident with my skin. And I feel like I can just use, I can use my journey to help others. And those people are people with long-term vitiligo and people with short-term vitiligo. I want to make other women and men feel like it is okay to be different, it's okay to have vitiligo and that you are still wholly worthy, embrace your skin and you can still feel beautiful even though you look different. And that is really important to me. I am so passionate about talking about my story to give back to others because I think that everybody learns, you know, we can learn by doctors and we can learn by dermatologists, but sometimes it's really good to learn from the people that are actually experiencing what someone is going through. I think your perspective is also very unique because like you said, you've experienced it for quite a long time. And our organization, we're filled with a lot of teenagers and young adults. So if there was a listener listening right now who was recently diagnosed with vitiligo, what would you say to them? And what would be the advice that you would give? I think I would say to them firstly, reach out to people. Um, there's nothing worse than suffering in silence or you know, being in a place where you feel like you can't talk to anybody. So I would definitely say, reach out and speak to someone. They don't have to have the condition. They don't have to have vitiligo, but talk to a family member, talk to a friend, you know, look on social media and find those people that are, find those people that are in a position that you want to be in if you want to feel confident with the condition. I think that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing I would say, which is, is slightly harder, is to work on your mindset. It's so easy for us to get caught up in this world where we're looking at other people and comparing ourselves to other people. So I would just say, step step you know step to the side and just focus on working on your mindset put you first i spent many years putting other people first putting them first in the terms of 
worrying about worrying about what they were thinking of me that's not important strangers are not important to us if you put yourself first then you're going to live a much more fulfilled life there were so many things that I stopped myself from doing because I was embarrassed by what people might think I stopped myself from going swimming I stopped myself from going on beach holidays and I didn't want to do that anymore I wanted to enjoy those things so for me to be able to do those things I had to develop a healthy mindset I had to think more positively and I had to stop thinking about other people staring at me and now that's why I can live a really healthy fulfilled life and do the things that I want to do and I I can only wish that for everybody else as well. I'm so happy for you that you were able to do that and um, again I just want to give you a big thank you for coming on to our podcast you've inspired me and I know you'll inspire countless others while they listen to our episode so again thank you so much Natalie for joining us Um, Please catch our other episodes on Spotify. We're called the Sincere Skin Series. And I look forward to maybe connecting with you in the future. Thank you so much. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. It's lovely to connect.